Welcome to New Views with Ariel New. My name is Ariel New. Today, I am going to share something a little bit more personal, so I'm a little nervous. I mean, I talked about it before, but it's still, it's a big subject in my life, and that's why I want to share it. But、um, my eating disorder journey and story, and how it led to my spiritual awakening, my self love journey, my destiny, my purpose, all of it. The reason why I am sharing this today is because.、Um, If you guys follow me on Instagram, I just got out of,、uh, well, I'm still kind of getting out of it. <laughs> food poisoning. I got really intense food poisoning here in、uh, Tulum, Mexico last week.、Um, and I'll speak a little bit to that too, but it really triggered some weak spots in my body、uh, when I had an eating disorder and areas I've been healing. And I shared this on an Instagram post yesterday. I posted a reel. And a number of you guys asked me about my journey. So I directed you guys to some of my older YouTube videos, but、um, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to talk about it again. So here I am. <laughs> and、uh, the other thing is, I normally save these lives. I do these weekly lives、um, every week, and I normally save in my membership. So join my memberships if you want to hear the video and audio replays. However, for this one, I'm going to share this story on my YouTube and my podcast too. So it's going to be available there too. But the extended version with QA, more QA will be in my membership. So still join my membership, especially if you want to support me.、Um, and I have a lot, lot of content in there just talking about like social interactions and communication, which is normally what I talk about too.、Um, so yeah, I think let's get into it. <laughs> Nervous. <laughs> I'm nervous. I'm nervous. It's okay, Ariel. Breathe. <sighs> Last week, when I got food poisoning, I was literally bedridden for two days straight. Two days, I couldn't get out of the bed, basically. I, I did go to the rooftop pool to walk a little bit, but that was a struggle. Even just going up the stairs, I had moments where I thought I was going to die. Not going to lie. It was so intense, and it really freaked me out because it triggered. These like weak spots in my body from my eating disorder. Eating disorder. Thank you, Camille. And um and it was hard because the first night I basically got up in the middle of the night, and that was the first night when it first started. um And I didn't know it was food poisoning yet. So I did eat a little more than I wanted to the day before, and I just wanted to throw up. And I remember being in bed and If it it just felt so strong, but at first I resisted it because I thought it was like an episode of my eating disorder in the past or something. Like, you know, I don't want to do that anymore. And I'm sorry if I get weirdly emotional and weird weird spots because this is all very sensitive for me. But um, I was just like, I I can't throw up. Like I can't do that. Um, but the urge was. Feverish too. It was intense because I wanted to throw up and like this part of. My body, I guess, like where my esophagus was connected to my stomach, felt really hot.、So、I threw up, everything, and then I still felt like shit. I came back to bed and I was just very, very feverish. And that first night was terrible <laughs> because after I threw up and I tried to, like, I thought everything was out, but there was still a little bit. I I felt there was still some food like just stuck right there, and it it brought that brought. Brought back so many of my eating disorder 
times and memories because those were times where I was doing it on purpose. Like I was eating, I have bulimia. That was the eating disorder I had. I know there are different forms, but I have bulimia, which is I would eat food and then I would throw it up. And um, there were a lot of times in the past when I was actively doing it where like, you know, there, there would be moments where I can't throw it all up and then there would be a bit stuck in my body and I would be trying to get it out, but it's more because of my mental issues, my body image issues, right? But this time I felt it there. So it triggered those memories, but I also knew that it was poisoned. It was like, I needed to get it out and I couldn't get it out and I couldn't throw up and then, or anymore. And then the next two days was just a lot of more throw ups and diarrhea. <laughs> like seriously, sorry, TMI, but just throwing up diarrhea and I was just bedridden. It was so bad. And the worst part was like, though I can deal with that. You know, we've all had diarrhea. We all throw up before and you know, places like Tulum, you do something like ayahuasca and that's what you do too. So, <laughs> but, um, um, it, the scary part was my organs felt like they were going to burst, <laughs> not with food, but with the heat, it was also feverish. Anyways, I healed. You know, it was two, three days of terror. <laughs> and I literally, it was, you just lie in bed. You just have to like wait it out. And I couldn't even do anything. I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't even want to drink water. And I love water. I've been just chugging that water this year. I couldn't drink water. The, I tried to drink some like coconut water, electrolytes, and even that was really hard. Um, and then I'm still coming out of it. So I'm still a little bit diarrhea. <laughs> TMI. So anyways, um, that was the experience, but my body, I'm so thankful for my body though. Thank you so much. My eating disorder started back in college. I'm 33 now. So this was, um, I remember it was first year college, uh, when I was 19, 18, 19. And, um, I went to UBC, the university of British Columbia. Um, and, um, at first it was a body image thing. So as we all know, we go to college, we go to university and then there's the freshman 15. Freshman 15 is real, man. Anyone that's like graduating college or in college, you guys know this. It's, it's, um, especially if you've been living at home and then you just get to a point where you have to take care of yourself and there's a cafeteria right next door. <laughs> so what happened for me was, um, I, at first, uh, I was fine when I went into college, but then I gained, wait, how much? I gained 40 pounds in three months. Was it three months? I basically, no, no. I gained 30 pounds and lost 40 pounds within my first year of college. And the first uh, half of it was gaining weight because I was in a new environment and the, the cafeteria was right beside me. And I wasn't really conscious about it. I was actually just enjoying life. I was ex enjoying meeting new friends in college, um, in a dorm. So I was eating and then I started to notice, uh, I was gaining some weight, but I didn't think too much of it because, you know, a little more meat, I, I, a little more meat is good. You gotta have a little more meat. But so I didn't really think too much of it, but um, and you know, because I was always in dorms, I was wearing sweatpants a lot, but then what happened was there was at a point, um, I needed to get my health insurance renewed. And then I remember my insurance agent, he's actually, she's actually, she's a lesbian. She's, 
and she's very blunt. Uh, she's friends with my mother and she, I remember her coming to do the insurance interview with me and supposed to be a very straightforward interview, but you need to give them your weight, your height, like your information. Right. And she basically weighed me. And then she was like, I'm going to have to lie and put you 10 pounds lighter or else you're not going to get your insurance. And as an 18 year old girl hearing that, I was just like, what? <laughs> Bitch, what? It freaked me out because I was an 18 year old girl and I, you know, I wasn't conscious about real wellness. So I was like, what the hell? I can't even get my life insurance because I'm overweight. Like I, I made it so serious and she said it so bluntly and nonchalantly, but it totally impacted me. So I freaked out because of that. And what I tried to do in the beginning was take laxatives. So I, I try to take laxatives and laxatives basically makes you have diarrhea, makes you poop. And throughout trying it for a month, I knew I couldn't do it because my, <laughs> it was just no good. <laughs> don't do it. It honestly fucks up your body so fast. So don't do it. Um, and then I don't remember how it happened, but I guess there was just one time I just tried to throw up and I realized it was so easy for me. And, and then I just started doing it. I just started to throw up my food and then just kept going. And, and uh, trigger warning for everything here. You guys have to like stay for the whole story, okay? Because <laughs> I have to tell you guys all the bad stuff that's coming. But So you have to stay. Especially your younger people. Don't do it. <laughs> it's so bad for you. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Um, and it's going to be such a long journey. So don't do it. <laughs> but in the beginning, it was really easy. It was easy for me to throw up. I didn't even have to put finger down my throat. It was easy. And at first it felt freeing, especially after I gained 30 pounds. I was like, yo, I don't even have to go freaking to a gym. I can just do this and food comes out and I feel okay after. I felt, I thought I felt okay after I would do it and it felt fine. So I was like, yo, I'm free. So I started to throw up everything. I started to throw up all of my food. And that's how I gained 30 pounds and then quickly lost 40 pounds in the second half of my first year of college. And when you're young too, your body's metabolism is so fast too. So obviously it takes effect really fast. So besides me just enduring all this, my friends and family actually saw it too. Like my friends saw me gain some weight and then they saw me lose a bunch of weight and they subtly called it out to me but I don't think anyone knew like it was a huge deal but I remember because I lost weight so fast I there was one night we went out for a New Year's Eve celebration New Year's Eve party in Vancouver we went to a rave or something and I took a photo or I, I was taking photos all night but I you know back in the two, back, I'm a millennial okay so we used to take a lot of photos like this the girls would be like yes <laughs> yes <laughs> so so I was taking a lot of photos like this, but because I lost so much weight, the photos come came out so weird looking because my bone would be bigger than my arms. I also got into a serious relationship in my first year. Um, he's still one of my good friends, um, and I'm so grateful for him throughout this journey. He was my long long term ex, so I'm also so sorry, so sorry to my ex that he. Uh, had to go through some of these times when I was going through it. But the thing is, I hid it from him the whole time. The whole time we were together, he didn't know, but he 
kind of had some suspicions. The first year was easy. I said, I did it a lot. I threw up all my food. It just was very easy. I lost so much weight. I thought I was free. And I used to go to like, I would milk it because I thought it was so easy. I was like, this is, this is amazing. I'm going to eat whatever the hell I want. And I'm just going to always throw it up. And so I would invite friends to go to all you can eats with me in Vancouver back in the day, like all you can eat sushi was very popular and I would just milk it. I would ask some of my guy friends that can eat a lot to go with me and I would just eat as much as I can and I would throw it up after. It's so, it's so embarrassing and also just, but you know, it's okay. It's okay. (laughs) But I used to do that and I used to really push my body and then, but quickly the first, within the first year, I started to feel the effects like dehydration. You're, it's so bad for your teeth. It's so bad for your whole body. And I started to feel and your organs and everything. And within the second year, I started to feel because I barely had any nutrients in me. I would sometimes get weird, like heart conditions. Like my heart would sometimes just start beating really weirdly. (laughs) And then I would get shivers a lot. I would just get shivers in my hands and my feet. Just know that foods that's going to help you heal are going to evolve too. So in the beginning, I just started to eat like apples, oranges, bananas. And that was just the foods I could put in my body at that time. So I would eat them for breakfast and, and then like dinner, I would still throw up. So again, slowly, but it was still progress for me. At least I wasn't throwing up every meal. At least I knew I found certain foods I could keep in my body. Um, And then slowly, 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 I did eventually get to a point where I was like, I could go for a few days without throwing up. And it was just a work in progress. I went from, and then I had to kind of commit to it. I, I committed to healing, but not fully. So I was doing it less and less, but I would still use it as a scapegoat. Oh, and the biggest thing is um, the bulimia, my throwing up it. When I was in college, it was a body image issue. But then it quickly became an emotional release. It was a way for me to shut off the world. And this is why this is so deeply connected to my self love story, because at that point, I didn't know what self love was at all. Like, what the hell is self-love? I hear it. I have no idea what it was. So I, um, my way of dealing with my pain and trauma was to numb myself out. And then so many of us do this, alcohol, sex, whatever, drugs. And this is why I, I, I'm an advocate for psychedelics as part of this story. So we're going to talk about it, but abusing drugs, you know? So, um, my way was my bulimia. I would eat a bunch of shit. And then I would turn on some trashy TV shows and I would just puke and just numb myself. And so many nights, this was actually my routine. Instead of facing my pain, my fears, my traumas and everything, I would just like blank out. I would just be and, and help me just pass the fuck out too. But the next morning I would get up and I would be so groggy and I would only have enough energy to carry through my routine cycle last days where it would just be like work, throw up, eat, 
spend some time with my boyfriend, spend some time with my friends. And at that point, like all we did during the weekends was party too. So it was easy for me to envelop that into my eating disorder. So by the time 2017 came, I was, I was doing a way less, but it was still my scapegoat. For me to get to that point too, I remember there were nights where I felt like I was dying. So number one, I didn't want to die. Number two, it was actually also God talking to me. There were nights where in at that point, I haven't fully tapped into my spirituality or self-love journey. Like I didn't know about spirituality truly that yet, even though I've always been fascinated by these subjects, but I didn't know how to connect to it myself. Now I do it all the time, but God still spoke to me and, um, basically showed me like my potential. The reason why I got myself to a point where I can at least uh, go to Toronto was because I saw my potential in the future and I saw that I could be this person. But, and I saw these visions when I was at my weakest state and I was just like, how is this possible? Like I'm dying right now. How can I, and what I saw was now, like everything I'm doing now, and I was like, how is that possible? And it's not just what I'm doing. It's like how I look, um, everything. If you guys look at photos of me in the past, when I was deep in my eating disorder, I had bad eye bags. Like I had so many body conditions and, and um, low energy. I never had energy. It was so much. So for me to think about the potential of me leaving my corporate job and becoming this person I've always wanted to be being like performative and helping people and being in the creative fields, like being all of this and looking good and everything. I was like that. It was so far away, but that was also what motivated me. So by the time I moved to Toronto, I had some things under control, but I also didn't fully commit to healing yet because you know when you fully commit you know when you're like ready to go all in and I, I guess I was just like I'm not in pain enough yet life like give me some more because that's really what it was it was the pain of everything that led me to all the changes in my life and so when I got to Toronto though the first two years was amazing Toronto is mini New York so the first two years I was in Toronto it was like lights, camera, action. And I'm a very social person. This is what I talk about in my content, right? So I um, I totally enjoyed Toronto the first two years. And I had a number of friends that also came, moved around at the same time. So we were just living life. Like my life in Toronto in 2018, 2019 was a movie. It was, my whole life is a movie, but it was so cinematic and amazing and brilliant. And I just had so much fun. Um, but I did drink a lot. I, and, and that triggered a lot of my, my bulimia too. So, you know, I wasn't doing it all the time, but it was still, whenever I drank, I would do it. Whenever I ate too much, I would do it. I would still, if I got hurt by something at work or like I'm frustrated, I would still, uh, plan a night or tonight or tomorrow night where I'm going to order a bunch of food and I'm going to throw it up. So it was still, you know, I still accepted it in my life. I wasn't like, okay, I'm fully healing, but it was way less than before. So I was able to sustain it during that time. But at that time, I was already 28. The other thing is it has such big physical effect, you know, like I actually got forced to heal too because it was a mixture of me deciding intentionally, but also my body started to tell me if you don't, if you don't get your act together, Ariel, you're going to die. 
Like we're not, we can't help you anymore. Like we, oh my gosh, and I'm so, I'm, I'm so sorry for everything I put you through, body. And I'm so thankful and I'm so grateful for you. Um, in this year of amazing fun and exploring Toronto and meeting people and doing oh, and then during this time too, I broke up with my ex. So. And it was a really hard breakup. We were together for almost nine years. And I basically, we ended things or I ended things with him when I moved to Toronto. And we kind of saw it coming, but um, he was so shocked. We were both shocked. Like it was really hard, but a little part of me did always kind of know that he wasn't the one though, but he was, he is a soulmate of mine. So it was a hard breakup, but it also made me be really free in Toronto. Um, And then, Another part of me was also like, I'm, I want to find true love. I've always believed in true love. So I was also just, you know, meeting new people, having new connections and everything. And throughout this amazing first year in Toronto also came with the highs of the highest, the highest of the highs also came some lowest of the lows. So what ended up happening was I actually did come into a connection that was like no other ever. And it really sparked something within me, but it was very complicated and it broke my heart, basically that connection. And then also my uncle, uh, got into a really bad accident that year and he's in Taiwan. And, um, because my mother is twice divorced, um, he was, he was, he was, um, He was very important to me in my life. So he got into an accident. He had a stroke. And um, the sad part is um, uh, within that year before he got into an accident, he's always been single. You know, he's... He's on my mother's side, so he's my mother's brother. I'm sorry. Um, and he has never gone married. He, he, he worked for my grandfather, and he, but he was always the kindest and sweetest soul. And um. Before he got his the accident that year, I remember he messaged me and then he told me that, oh, I'm going to go to L.A. this year. I'm like, why are you going to L.A.? <laughs> like, and he was like, I'll tell you later. I'll tell you later. And then our family found out afterwards that he snuck to L.A. to get a surrogate mother to be able to adopt. So he adopted twins. He got a surrogate and he... um. I'm sorry, but this was what really triggered like these series of events I'm talking about right now was what triggered me into my full healing with my eating disorder. So it's it's really heavy for me to talk about. But uh, he adopted twins. He brought them back to Taiwan and everyone found out. But he only told me at first and I was the only person out of everyone in our family that was truly happy for him because I knew he 
you know, he did get married and I knew he always wanted to have kids and he was always so good to me. So I was happy for him. But my whole family, traditional Asians, they did not react like that. They were angry. They were just like, bitch, like, you don't have a wife. We're getting old already, like my grandparents. And what are you doing? What are you doing? So he brought these two infants back to Taiwan. And then within a few months, he got into a motorcycle accident. He had a really bad stroke. And um, and basically, this was uh, 2019. And I ended up going back to Taiwan twice. The first time I saw him. And at that point, he... And after the stroke, he basically just kind of became a vegetable. But he was still conscious. But like he could barely do things. And But we still all had hope. He looked like a skeleton. But he was um, he was conscious, so he he was trying to do you know the physio and stuff, and we gave him this like board so he, he could he'll try his best to write, but he could barely write and he couldn't talk or anything. And I remember the first time I went back to see him, the moment he saw me, he was try- he was doing physio and he wasn't like really into it. I remember seeing him, but the moment he saw me, and because he was so weak, we had to literally wear these like astronaut. Uh, outfits to go see him like I had to wear this astronaut thing so I can go into the room this was before COVID and it was just he's too contagious to any sort of germs so it was like in this astronaut thing and I walk in and then the moment he saw me and he was doing his physio he started to do it so much <laughs> he was like trying to show me I'm I'm getting better I'm getting better and um we were like, maybe he's going to be okay. So we were thinking about getting him a wheelchair so he could, and then we actually put him in the wheelchair and then he was like starting to move a little bit. And then we we're just like, yeah, like he's going to at least be able to be conscious. And he just had these two twin babies and, you know, he just got them and it's, we're going to, it's going to be a long road, but we're going to, it's going to be okay. I remember I was in a work meeting one day on Zoom. I was at home. I was remote working. I was in a marketing meeting and I was the one talking. My my things were open and all of a sudden I get this Facebook message from my mother. And then she wrote, your uncle passed. And I was in a meeting and I saw it and I had to just ignore it and carry on. And then afterwards, because of my emotional, I couldn't like react to it right away. I freaked out my mother. I was like, why would you tell me this through a Facebook message? But this is her brother too. I shouldn't have gotten that angry with her, but I got so pissed at her. And then that, and that stirred my brother to then get really angry at me and call me to tell me I should be yelling at her. And me and my brother stopped talking for six months. So it was a lot. It was like my uncle passed. Everything was, and then so I went back to Taiwan again for his funeral. And it was also during all that time, I was in this weird connection that I felt so deeply for. But I also knew that like, whatever situation we're currently in, it's not, this person was in a relationship basically. And what am I doing with my life? So I also had to end that. And that was really hard too. So that whole year, it was like highs, highs, and like lowest lows. And I lost my uncle. And um, um, and all of that just made me realize I, I need to heal myself 
I need to love myself. I need to fully get through this. And then, so what actually triggered my whole committed healing self-love journey that led to everything I'm currently doing now, though, was all these events, was the buildup. But then what actually gave me the plan after and what actually gave me the North Star and I, I was like, okay, this is what we're going to do. My savior was psychedelics. It was psychedelics. Um, I used to do psychedelics when I was in Vancouver back in my early 20s recreationally. So we would just do it for partying, obviously. But even during those times, I would feel this higher power coming over me. I remember feeling that. But I was like, I couldn't express it because all my friends were just having fun and they would think I'm stupid. So I, I, I was just like, I pushed it away. If any of you guys are like, oh my gosh, that's so unhealthy. Like, why did you do that? Why are you using drugs? <laughs> you have no idea at that time how hard it was. And it was just what I needed to do. Weed was already a big part of my, my life. I use weed just to sleep at night. But then I started to use weed to meditate. And that was when I was still experimenting. I wasn't sure about meditation. I was just kind of experimenting. And then I remembered mushrooms and LSD gave me these weird higher power energies. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to try this. And I've always been someone with, and you know, disclaimer, watch my videos on psychedelics. I'll share more about this uh, in detail later too, but don't do it by yourself, but I would say once you get comfortable with it, do it by yourself <laughs> because um, it's the best if you, the more present and conscious you can be with it. So basically I was like, I'm going to take LSD by myself. I, I know I can do it. And there was one night I just decided to take some LSD by myself the first time I did it. And that was literally the night that everything changed. Literally that night was the night that everything changed because I took it and I went into it and I didn't even know what the hell was going on. But then I, I just, the way to do it is to just be with it, not to be watching TV, not to do anything. I knew I had an intention. I was like, I need to figure out some shit. I know this is going to help me with it. I'm going to try to not do anything, have some music, but I'm just going to be in the experience journal as much as I can ask questions and get what I can with it. And at that time I didn't have a full process yet, but I knew it was something like that. So I went into it and literally gave me it. I literally had these visions of everything I'm doing now. That's why it's, it's, it's magic. Everything I manifested through my visions of my initial psychedelic experiences and every single one after it was just a buildup and it's all connected. So that first LSD experience, I remember I asked the question, I think I was really heartbroken with this love person in my life too. So it was like, how do I get to love? And, you know, with all my pain from my family and everything, I just want love. So I was like, how do I get the love that I want, that true love that I've always wanted since I was a kid? How do I get to that? How do I get to that? And you know what the message, the energy showed me? It literally showed me this. I remember asking it and it pointed me, it pointed me, it made me look at some medicine. It, may, it basically was like self-love. You want love? Self-love. And then this whole experience started to go crazy. It was just started to tell me messages. I started to see the spiral and they're like, Ariel, this is the love experience. This whole thing we're in right now, this is the love experience. Love is all the things. Love is everything we must 
the pain to know what love is like all of it. It was giving me all these messages and saying, you can get the love that you want, that true romantic love. But there's so much more than that too. I wasn't aware, but like I wanted that true romantic love. And it was like, the way is self-love. Are you ready? Are you ready? And I remember seeing the spiral and it was just like, you must commit, commit to this self-love journey. Like, Whatever you want, you're going to get, but you got to commit to the self-love journey. And during that whole initial psychedelic experience, uh, experience too, I also got these visions of the future, of where we're heading, of how consciousness is expanding and something about technology being evolved, everything. And I was going to be someone, I was going to represent oneness in some aspect. I'm going to be, and at that point I wasn't doing any of this yet. And I was just like, what the hell is happening <laughs> I'm asking a question of my love and then now I'm getting messages of the world changing and like, what is, how is this connected to me? I don't understand. But now I do. Now I do. I started to take psychedelics periodically every few months and it started to give me my blueprint to healing my life, not only healing my own life, but my purpose, my destiny, everything I'm currently doing. And I started to just... And then that's when I started to uh, really commit to healing myself. But the whole eating disorder thing, what truly kicked me into, I'm just, I'm not going to go back anymore. I'm not going to have episodes anymore. I'm not going to give myself excuses anymore. was actually when COVID hit. 2020, um, beginning of 2020, before everyone went to lockdown, I did a DMT experience. It was my first time doing DMT. It rocked my boat. It rocked me to the core. It was connected to all my past uh, psychedelic experiences too. But I remember it in the experience, it was just like, Ariel, it's your time now. And at that point, I was already doing new views, but I was kind of getting into it. And the start of my uh, blogging journey, by the way, guys, I started with food blogging, which is ironic, <laughs> back in Toronto. And it slowly evolved into everything I'm currently doing now, but this is what I've always wanted to do. But so at that point I was kind of transitioning and basically the energies was like, if you're going to be talking about self-love, spirituality, all that, you must love yourself. You must fucking heal yourself. Like, don't be an imposter. Come on, Ariel. Come on. I remember that DMT experience. I saw these like aliens and shit. They were just like, come on, Ariel, let's go. I was like, okay. <laughs> and then, and 2020, I used it. I milked it. That's why all these challenges, we got to milk that shit. I, you know, yes, I was a lonely girl in a lonely world in Toronto in a small ass apartment. But I guess a lot of my friends were too. But that routine life actually kicked me, uh, was so good for me. Nothing else to do. I didn't waste my time. I was healing myself. So I started to really work on, I just committed to not doing it anymore. So, um, and then this is just like the start of the story because I learned so much more about nutrition and diet afterwards too. But anyways, that's how it's all connected. Okay. I think I'm going to stop my story here because there's a lot more, but, um, basically I've been healing since then and life's been good. <laughs> Now I'm here. I'm doing what I love. I'm happy. I'm healthy. Uh, yes, this food poisoning really triggered some shit of me, but it's I. this is the best I've ever been. This is the strongest I've ever been. And I am the vision I saw myself in when I was knees deep in my eating disorder that I wanted to be. So I'm so grateful. Um, and psychedelics was a huge part of it. Psychedelics really 
showed me the way. And all of this has actually led to led me to my purpose too. I eventually quit uh, my corporate life and I went full on into everything I'm currently doing. So it's all connected. And the whole thing about spirituality, psychedelics and me seeing the future of the world, the collective where we're going and there's a mix of science, technology, quantum physics, we're going to get the truth revealed, all of it. It's all part of it too. So I'll be sharing more stories about all of this. That's it. I'm going to take a pause now. That's going to, that's my story of today. And I will be editing this down and I will be sharing, uh, on my YouTube and my podcast. Um, and then an extended version will be in my memberships for my members. So now I want to engage with you guys for a little bit for anyone that stuck through, heard the story. Let me know your thoughts. Uh, ask me some questions. Let's talk. I'm still a little bit nervous, man. I, I, <laughs> I didn't fully settle in. It was it's just a really touchy subject for me. So thank you guys for being here. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you so much for giving me grace. Uh, 